everyone. This is Amy Lombardi. I want to welcome you to TuneCore's Music Made Me podcast. Today we're going to be speaking about branding with Stephen Lynn of Amplify Entertainment. Based in Music City, Nashville, which is Nashville, Amplify is a strategic artist development agency. They use branding to develop emerging artist profiles, set up their businesses, grow their digital profile, develop their careers, and more. So, um, Stephen, welcome to Music Made Me. Thank you so much Thank for joining you. me. Thank you. I listen to the show all the time. It's good to actually be a part of it. I Yay. appreciate that. <laughs> we had to get you on here at some point. You're, what you do is so cool. It's part of the court order, right? Yes, yes, definitely, for sure. Um, I, I, want, I want you to share some about your background um, with uh, our listeners, because my understanding is you kind of came to the music industry a little bit from the sideways, right? Yeah, I kind of came in a, a side door. My background... <laughs> You know, either I've had a lot of experiences or I can't keep a job, one of the two. I don't know which. <laughs> but uh, I started in television news. I used to anchor and report. And I'm in Nashville because the NBC affiliate here was stupid enough to hire me, so I came. Um, Where did you come from? Uh, most directly, I grew up in Dallas, but uh, I was in Arizona before I came to Nashville. I went to Missouri for school, University of Missouri, and then went to Arizona and then came here. And when I got off air um, at Channel 4, I went and ran political campaigns, helped run campaigns for governor and mayor and sheriff and such, which is, you know, marketing and branding just in a whole different vertical, of course. Yes. Um, and then after that, I went and did a show on the old TNN cable network, which uh, was, was fun, but uh, left that and went and did marketing for the Ernest movies, like Ernest Rides Again, Ernest Goes to Camp. If anybody I is remember young enough, Ernest. old enough, rather. To I mean, I'm very that. young. I always talk about how young I yeah, am. I'm an, but I'm I... an old man. <laughs> I'm an old old man. Um, but it, that and that was that was great. And then when it went straight to DVD, I started a company that did marketing, um, and we did some linear stuff and started doing digital way before anybody should have. Um, but did that for a while. Ended up merging with a couple of companies, um, and that led to a large promotion company. So we were doing. Licensed merchandise for artists doing, you know, road merch. We also were the licensee of professional women's tennis, the Arena Football League, uh, things like that. We were doing, you know, digital stuff, straight line marketing, promotional products. Um, we had a, a specialty book company. You know, people had asked me what I do. And my answer is, well, what do you need? Right. Kind of that, kind of that period. <laughs> um, and so. That's so much more fun, a, too. Yeah, you know, you can go anywhere, right? Yeah. Um, so then in, that kind of led into a, uh, media content company. And so I had that and we were doing some television, um, did some ghost wrote some cookbooks, did digital stuff. But the main idea was to find markets that were underserved and serve them. And tailgating was the one that we went after because there are 50 million people who tailgate in America every year. That's more people than live in Spain. But if you were a grill company or licensed product or a tent, you didn't really have a way to reach tailgaters. You could buy an ad in Sports Illustrated and hope whoever saw it, you know, also tailgated. It wasn't just a football fan. So I uh, wrote a book on tailgating, outdoor cooking, had venue guides for every NFL stadium, NCAA stadium, and racetrack in the country, started websites, started on-site um, tailgate cook-offs, so frats between Florida and Georgia before the game or what have you. Uh, that went well. Ended That's up not a big nine. market at all. My gosh. Well, it's That's a big market, but, it was, it's, but it's very nuanced. And it really led, it, you know, informed how 
we do a lot of things now because in the end we ended up writing, I wrote nine books. Uh, the last one with Fox Sports that tied into their on-air programming. We started a magazine, hosted some digital shows, cooked on morning TV. What we were really doing was cross-platform marketing our IP. And, you know, we had the content from the books and then it was manipulated in different ways across all of those platforms. And it was great and it was fun. And then the recession hit and all my, it was a sponsor driven model and all my sponsors, you know, laid off half their people and all of my money. Uh, so that was when I was looking around to what I want to do. And MTV networks was looking for someone to do for CMT that cross platform marketing of music that we were doing with the tailgating and for other clients. So I went to CMT and that was kind of how I ended up into the industry was through media, but informed from a marketing branding perspective of all that other junk. So, you know, we did that and it was great. Uh, was CMT handled music programming and promotion for just about five years. Um, and then went over to Broken Bow Records and started their in-house management company. And we're trying to launch, you know, we launched Parmalee and a few artists over there. And I was there for a year, but my philosophy was very different than the label heads. I own the label. And, you know, because one of the things that I saw when I was at CMT is artists would come with a new record, new single, video, whatever it is. And if they had a plan, they would try to execute it. It would do whatever it would do, whether, whether we participated or not, but it would do whatever it would do. And then if it was a label artist, the label was on to the next artist release right away. If it was an independent artist, they didn't know what to do next. So all the numbers would fall, and nine months later, they're back, starting all over again. When I was at Broken Bow, it was from the other side. You know, the, the Nashville way, as they say, is radio, 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 get on a big tour and everything will be fine. Well, it doesn't really work that way. Certainly not anymore. And it was hard to get resources to try to help create content and build brand extensions and media partnerships and all of those things that build a sustainable career. So what it boiled down to is nobody was teaching developing acts how to develop. You're a small business. I mean, an artist is a small business, just like the woman who sells couches and the guy that has a restaurant. And nobody was teaching them how to run their business and giving them the tools to have a sustainable career. And so that's why I started my company, and we do artist development and branding. And um, we really help try to build small businesses for independent artists. We do works for labels as well. They'll run their new acts through us. And that's kind of the, you know, much more verbose than you wanted, Amy, I know. But, uh, you know, kind of how we came around to the philosophy that we use that, of artist development and branding. No, I, I'm really glad that you gave everybody that background because I, one thing that I think, there's a couple of things that you've mentioned that are like, I feel like things I talk about on every podcast I hope I host, which is there's a lot of different ways to come into the music industry and a fresh, a fresh um, voice is always really welcome and appreciated. And the fact that you came in from marketing um, lifestyles is actually one of my favorite ways um, of of was one of my favorite ways of handling publicity for artists is kind of like not just looking at their music, but looking at like, what are they about? What are they interested in? And that's something that you're with your background. I'm sure you do on the regular for artists. So I want to go, I have a, I do have questions for you, but I want to ask 
If you know, if you if you've put your finger on, why do you think you started so early digitally? First time I saw it, I saw the opportunities, and you realized that this is not only, you know, like everybody says, you can see that that would be where the future was because of its portability and this and that and everything else. But it, for what we were doing at the time, it was a way to more in a direct way connect with and market to and get to people, our audiences, our customers. And you could tell there's a whole other distribution system for video, which we were doing a lot of at the time, certainly having come out of television. And we were doing video when it was on that tiny little postage stamp of a screen, dial up, you know, this was early. But you could realize that not only is this a great way to reach people, but it also is going to be a great way to gather data so that you could then better serve customers, grow your businesses or what have you. Um, and I mean, I've, obviously, if I was super smart, I would have like come up with, you know, browsers and apps and gone to the tech side and I'd be wealthy now talking to you from my island. But um, <laughs> instead, I went the, uh, the other route. But, you know, it fascinated me, too. And I like building and growing things and finding new opportunities. You know, it's one reason I'm also the entrepreneur in residence for Project Music at the National Entrepreneur Center, which is the nation's first music tech um, accelerator program. And I love doing that for a lot of the same reason. It introduces me to all these startups that have new technologies and new ways to, whether it's distributing IP and content or interacting with fans or whatever it may be, and gives me an opportunity to see that and jump in early and figure out what we can do with that, not just to help the companies, but also on the other side for our clients that are looking particularly new artists, developing artists who are trying to find ways to reach an audience since a lot of the, the larger, more gatekeeper ways aren't available to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to start with kind of the basics. Um, like what's branding? How do you define branding? How do you, def- like, and how do you, um, how do you build it into your artist development uh, I would campaigns. phrase it not as much as branding, but what is a brand? And your brand sure, is what's what people brand? say about you. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And you don't get to control what they say, but you can influence what they say. And so that would be the branding that can, influences and conveys the, the, the brand. Um, that's, you know, what that's we work really through great way with, of putting it. with our, you know, brand consistency is very important. And you need to be consistent in how you present yourself because uh, you're a, an artist is a personality brand and how that's presented and conveyed needs to be consistent across platforms. You know, Coke has one color, one logo, one bottle shape, you know, all of that for a reason. Uh, you look at Southwest airlines, you know, their brand is about freedom of choice and all of that. And if they had first class and if they had assigned seating and they had all of that, it would fail because it's off brand. It's not who they are. They've, you know, they've built a business around a brand. And when you hear Southwest Airlines, you immediately think of that because of the brand consistency and how they've marketed themselves, just like Coke. So, you know, what we work on in the branding side with our clients and what every artist should be doing, whether you work with someone like us or, or not, is we go through a whole branding exercise where we really micro-define the artist. We fill up whiteboards with words about the artist. It's not about the music. The music, is, the music is not the product. The music is a marketing tool. The artist is the product. Oh, yes. I'm glad you and repeated that. 
And the and so if you're trying to figure out my music is like this, my music is that, that's not developing a brand. If you develop your brand filters, and a brand filter is that micro-defining. So if somebody says, oh, I'm funny, you know, it's one of my brand filters. Okay, well, what does that mean? You have to really dive deeper. Does that mean that you like to tell jokes? Does that mean you're a smart ass? Does that mean, I mean, what does that mean? And when you go back and forth, you realize, okay, well, actually, I'm punny. It's just turns of phrases. I'm not really funny. I don't make people, it's just little puns. I'm witty. I'm witty. So (laughs) witty becomes the better brand filter. So, you know, you you figure that out to three or four words and, and definitions of those that are your brand filters. So it might be witty and bold and honest or whatever they are for you. Then everything runs through those brand filters, everything. Your, what your photos look like, the, your videos look like, partner, brand partner opportunities, everything you do so that if it hits all four of your brand filters, you do it. If it hits three of them, great. If it hits two of them, now you have a business decision to make. If it hits one or none, don't do it because it's off brand. It, but the filters give you, like I liken them to those kitty gutter rails at a bowling alley, keep you from throwing gutter balls. Yes. That gives, you, that gives you the guideline to not throw any gutter balls and make your decisions easier and keep what is on brand, your logos, everything on brand. Because if I see you in that little tiny thumbnail on Spotify or on a poster on a bulletin board at a venue or scrolling through Instagram or on a blog somewhere, I need to be able to say, oh, that's Amy. Oh, that's, that's the artist my friend told me about. Oh, I saw her over here. And that brand consistency also is that promise to your fans of, of who you are and what you stand for. And that consistency will help build up a fan base uh, that will last much longer. Because, it, again, it's about you and your personality. And the music falls right in under that. It's important, too, I think, you know, because if it's what, keeps, what allows people to keep coming back to you and to stay with you. You know, if you could write the best breakup song ever, is the example I use a lot. And that's the best breakup song ever. And I just went through a breakthrough. It was horrible. It was, I, it was terrible. And that's how, that was my story. How did you know? You're, oh, that's incredible. I love you. Well, I get over my breakup. This other guy wrote the best makeup song ever. I love that song. That's exactly what I'm going through. I met this gal. She's great. It's wonderful. I love you. Well, now I've forgotten about the first artist, unless while they had me, they let me see that they enjoy antiquing or whatever it may be that puts an insight into the personality so that I stay around because I actually like that person and I want to be their friend and I want to hear what comes next. Otherwise, if it's song by song by song, it's really hard to build a consistent and growing fan base. Yeah, it's, it's, you're, when you're building a brand, you're building a culture about yourself and, and you're, you're sharing your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your, you know, and it, it needs to be, you know, truthful and um, authentic. You know, it, branding is not creating a look that isn't really you. It's just presenting your, your best self. It's so not that's creating... really interesting. I want to dig into that for a second because a lot of artists decide they want to be this. So... Mm-hmm. 
you really you, you got to adopt that in order to be that and brand yourself to that. It can't be yeah, something and if you're it's trying not authentic, on. Particularly now, it will be. I mean, it'll be seen through in a heartbeat. You know, it's, there's you, know, you look at you know if you're trying to chase somebody that's successful. You know, Taylor. I'm going to be like Taylor Swift. I'm going to be like Lizzo. I'm going to be like whomever. Well, there already is one of those. Right. And it's also not you. Right. So who are you? And then develop how you're going to present that. And you have your brand filters and your mission statements and you build your social plans and marketing plans and everything from that. But it needs to be authentic and real. It can't be, you know, I need to be a young, affluent, whatever, if that's not really you. It, won't, it just won't work. Right. I think that's really important to, to consider because um, something that I always think about artists, like there is a timelessness to who they are. To, there is a timelessness to everybody's authentic self. And so when artists are interesting people as well as talented musicians or songwriters, that's like, that's the fun part to, um, you know, positively exploit. I'll use the word exploit, but I want to make sure that everybody knows I'm saying it in a positive (laughs) way. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's very true. And, you know, I I get a lot of, a lot of times people will push back and go, but what if you change? You know, if you set this, this brand and then later you change, well, people do change. As you mature and you get older, you do change. And that's fine. You reevaluate your brand book. You re- reevaluate your filter. I mean, you look, look at uh, Lady Gaga. She's not wearing meat dresses anymore. No. You know, she, but she was, had a very defined brand. And then over time, that's changed. But through each phase, for lack of a better phrase, she's very much on brand and delivering that. And you know who she is and what she is. And you can grow with her or not. But it's very clear who Lady Gaga is. Yeah. And it's important for artists to be able to like grow in whatever direction they're growing into. Because, the, again, like you said earlier, it's, that's their authentic self. So Absolutely. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, what about strategic branding and like p- partnerships? You kind of touched on that earlier. Um, like what, yeah, this, is, and- this, is, this is definitely, uh, this meets all four of our... You call them brand filters. I know there's a couple of different meanings for brand filters. Some of them are even just social media or photo or uh, sorry, image driven brand filters. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, let's dive into a little bit more about the strategic branding and uh, your, partnerships. Your, uh, your your brand is obviously the cornerstone of your business, and in using that, you can then know how to pair with another brand. Is this brand a good fit for me? Is it a good fit for what I stand for, for, you know, my mission and why I'm doing this? Um, in addition to, it gives you the opportunity to look at all your data and the brand's data to see, do our audiences match? So then you're making pitches to people that it makes sense to make pitches to. You're also not accepting something or doing something that's off-brand for you. It might be off-putting to your, to your fan base. The, to get to that point, you have to use that to develop your brand to where you've got enough reach or interest to where a brand's going to be interested in you, of course. Right. Um, and to where there's a benefit for them as well as for you. You know, using their audience, you always, it's always good to use someone else's audience to grow yours. And a brand or 
a charity may have millions of followers and an incredible data, li data list for emails and what have you. And there's an obvious benefit to you to work with them, but you need to make sure that you can show them the benefit to them for working with you as well. And you going, you know, who you are as a brand and the audience and those all that matching is important, but it's also, you've got to build that audience before anybody obviously going to take you seriously. Um, you know, and that's why the first thing that, you know, we go through with clients and that any artist should look at, they're really kind of three buckets to the developing artist, you know, bucket list. One is the business itself. And that's being set up as a business. Are you legally set up as an LLC or an S Corp? How are you set up? Make sure your accounting is right. Are your PROs buttoned up on both sides as a writer and a publisher? Do you have sound exchange account on both sides if you're the rights holder as well as the artist? So then you have a business and you can actually make money. You're legally protected. Then from there, you can go, you go to the branding, which we've discussed. Mm -hmm. And then once you have the brand books and the branding and you know who you are and what you're selling, so to speak, then it's building that digital flat platform and that footprint and what you're doing every day on each platform with social media and how you're leveraging that. And then as that grows and you've got those resources and your numbers are growing and engagement, which is important, if you have 100,000 followers and every post gets one like and two shares, that doesn't help you. If you have 30,000 and each gets 4,000 likes and shares, that's going to help you more, even though you have a smaller follower count. That engagement's important. Then once you build that, then you can build partnerships with media and others to continue to grow it. So, you know, there's a little bit, like anything, it's step by step, and you can't put the cart before the horse. How do you... Um how do you suggest that artists uh, look at like those kinds of um, analytics surrounding their social media likes and, and which posts are doing well? How do you, how do you teach them how to pivot? Yeah, how to pivot? Um, yeah. Well, what what? well, this is working. This, this isn't really working great. What's, Oh, What's yeah, a good just, idea for yeah. them to try instead? I mean, it's just looking at the data for everything you do. And, and, and you don't want to get too caught up in the hour to hour, day by day. Um, you know, looking at things week over week, month over month's even better because there can be little blips in between. You may post something that would have done great one day, but you posted it, you know, the same day of the Super Bowl, so nobody cared. Right. Um, exactly. You know, so Pay you attention need to, to calendars, yeah, holidays yeah, and. You do that. Um, but you want to look at, you know, what engagement has, you know, been good. Uh, what type of things is it? Is it when I'm in the photo, it does better than when I'm not video does better than photos. And the answer to that is going to be, yes, video is the best performing content. Um, but looking at that and then doing more of what works and what doesn't, you know, one thing you can look to, to kind of be, to help inform you on some of that is what kind of content to do is to look at. Um, you know, a comp set of artists. Find three artists that are just like you, same level, not just like you, but at the same level as you. Sure. And then find one or two aspirational ones. And that would be artists that are just at that next level, not superstars, but just at that next level where you would get to next. And watch what they do. If they're similar artists, so you're sharing audience, and that's important, that fans of theirs are likely to be fans of yours, you can watch their socials to see what works and what doesn't for them. 
And if it turns out that, you know, audio posts do great, video doesn't do well, whatever it may be, or maybe it's these funny clips, or maybe it's more cover videos, or whatever it is that's working, you can say, okay, my, this audience obviously responds well to that. So let me try that and do that same thing, but through my brand filters. Right. So that it's in my style. And then you can look at those metrics and see what, what works better and, and what doesn't. Another thing an artist can do too for boosted posts and uh, promoted posts is to A-B it. So you, you have the same content and you're going to post that and boost that or put your ad money against it and you're going to change one thing. It may be that A is a video ad and B is a photo and C what does better. And then you realize, okay, the video one does better. Well, now the next one, you're going to do video on two of them, but you're going to change one of the keywords in your target audience, okay, which did better, or maybe it's the age. You don't want to change more than one thing at a time, or you don't know what the impact was, which was causing the impact, rather. But you can do that to help guide, okay, this is working well, this works better, to help get better and better and better at how you're, what you're posting and how you're targeting it. And look at geography, too. You know, it's great to know where your fans are and, and put together a heat map that crosses your Spotify streams with your Apple streams, with your YouTube streams, with your Facebook and Instagram, so you can really see where audiences are connecting with you more. And then that can inform geo-targeting content to grow, uh, obviously touring, mm -hmm. and all of those things. Those are excellent practical ideas and first steps for artists to do on their own. This is that the it's, this is really helpful. Um, I know you also talk about like uh, what your look is, what your brand filter is. Um, so that's something that people can play around with as well. Like when you're, when you're posting on Instagram or when you're posting images of yourself, it's just how um, there's that, that series on HBO called, um, uh, with Amy Adams, um, sharp things, and the whole the whole thing was colorized to be really dark and dense, and and that's ba that's basically a brand filter for the entire show because it wasn't filmed in that color; it was just colorized after the fact. So yeah, I know they did that to <clears throat> convey the brand. Yeah, you know whatever it was, the sense, the it's feeling just, that they wanted you to have yeah, watching it. So, exactly. Yeah. It's so, like you know we worked with an artist that, who bold was one of her brand colors. She was very bold, very, <laughs> very loud, very opinionated, bright primary colors that she wore um, during a photo shoot. Um, we're shooting photos, and as the photographer was running through frames, the light didn't recharge and fire on a couple. It didn't have time from the shutter exposures to recharge. And so it was very dark, uh, not in a goth way, but it was, you know, a darker... The haze looked kind of like smoke coming from behind, kind of backlit. And they were looking at it, oh, this is beautiful. Oh, you look great. Oh, this could be incredible. This could be an album cover. And it was like, no, it, you, you're, you do look beautiful in it. It looks great. So we're going to print it, put it in a frame, and put it on your mantle because <laughs> no one else is going to see it. Because no it is nowhere it. near brand. Wow. And it just causes consumer confusion, and it doesn't reinforce what you're trying to build. Yeah. 
So that's really important. I, I, I really want artists to take note of that idea, like just have some consistency in the images that people are going to see of you and your, your brand. Um, that's Very really important, important Stephen. And it's important. sharp, and sharp stay away objects. From it's not sharp things. I can't get that oh, wrong. Sorry. <laughs> the, well, a sharp thing, object, you know, synonymous. Um, but one thing, and you, you, make, you make a good point, because one of the traps I think a lot of artists fall into is that they do their their single art based on the song. So this one is, you know, about a cowboy. So the photo is of them with boots and a hat. And then the next song is their summer, you know, fun song. So the image is of them on the beach. And it has nothing to do with the artist at all. I'm so right. Those single, single art needs to be brand consistent with the brand, the artist. It's not about the song. Again, the song is just a marketing tool. I think Lana Del, Lana Del Rey is really great at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. This, is, this has been a great conversation. I love all of your ideas and expertise. Um, at, what digital marketing trends do you, do you feel are, could be coming up in the music industry? Any, any projections um, on that? It's hard to project. I mean, one thing anybody who utilizes, you know, digital assets uh, knows is that whatever works today is not going to work in six months because there'll be something new. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> so, you know, to, I wouldn't want to, you know, predict it per se. But um, one of the things that I, I, I am seeing a lot of, and particularly with a lot of startups that are trying, you know, are coming into the space, is trying to have more of a shared experience uh, with fans in a group, not as one-to-one. Um, allowing there are a lot of some new apps out now that allow you to have a group listen to the exact same thing at the same time, so that yeah. it's not a it's not just a personal experience of I'm streaming this on Spotify. It's more of a listening party. Some of them allow you know text messaging at the same time, and the artist can be involved and create special playlists. And but you know how to do more of the one to many as an, an artist to a group of fans as opposed to the one-to-one with a fan who's enjoying the video or whatever it is by themselves online. More of a shared experience. I, there's a lot of that stuff coming. And so I think that is something that, you know, somebody will figure it out right and that could be, you know, a helpful, helpful marketing tool. Because it's all about having a persistent presence. Persistent or consistent? Yeah, having a persistent presence. Because ah. you want to be able to be, you want to make sure, you know, it's like, just like with social media, you don't want to post once a week and that's it. You know, you need to be posting multiple times a day. Like it, I was talking with uh, someone at a label last week that had a meeting with the, some of the programmers of in, at Instagram. And they were telling him that the way the algorithm works, you need to be posting five, six, seven times a day now to be most effective because then you open up your Instagram. If you'll notice it has the first things or, or whatever posts there were from somebody that you've engaged with or like when you close it and open it again, even if it's a minute later, it's not the same post. It's another post. So if you just post that once when your fans open it and the average person, believe it or not, the average person opens Instagram 30 times a day. That's the average open rate. Wow. Seems crazy to me, but I'm old, so who knows? But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, every time you open, 
you want to have the opportunity to be in one of the top of the feed and you want to make sure your stories are showing up. And you can do that a couple of different ways in the ways you post, but it's being there so you have a persistent presence. Because if you aren't there anymore, they're off to the next shiny object. They're yeah. going to go find somebody else. Yeah. But I will caution this, is be aware of what you have the ability to do and your capacity to do. Uh, you know, if you don't have time, because you've got a job, plus you're doing all this other stuff, trying to build your career, and you don't have time to post multiple times a day on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Twitter, then don't. Say, so, you know, look, I, my audience is not young, so I'm not going to worry about TikTok. I'm going to do Instagram, and I'm going to make sure that I post two or three times a day there. I'm going to make sure I do Facebook on Mondays and Thursdays, and I'm not going to worry about Twitter now. Then that's what you should do. Because if you start onto a platform, you're making a promise that you're going to be there. I and agree. you're going to do stuff. And if you're not, then those who did come along for the ride will be frustrated. And they're, like I said, they're going to go off to somebody, the next shiny object. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you, everybody only has so much bandwidth. And it's, you know, my, you've got to figure what to do in what order. My mom used to tell me, you know, would say, you can't clean the whole house at once. You got to do it a room at a time. So you got to figure out what room are you going to clean first, then what's second and what's third. Don't worry about the rest of the house. Do what, you know, build your plan and do it. You know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, the old saying goes. So, you know, build your plan and then execute. That's great advice. What's next for Amplify? Uh, I'm trying to be more like you, successful, Amy. <laughs> That's the main thing. The No, we're looking for, I mean, next year we're going to... You gonna, know why? We, because my mother made me clean the whole house. <laughs> the whole house thing. Hey, well, I have it all wrong. I need, to, I need to be asking the questions here, I think. But, uh, no, I mean, we're, we are, we're working with some great artists and, and labels. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we've, we've been doing our full service stuff for, you know, this, we're coming up on six, finishing our sixth year as a wow. company now. And, um, but we are rolling out an advisory program, which is for artists that are not at a level yet. They're at the, really a more beginning stage who are not at a level yet where if we come in and do our full service, we're really helping. Uh, cause you gotta be at a certain point before you're really ready to go and try to, to do some of the, you know, brand extensions and DSP platform things and yep. some of those things. So it's uh, with one month, it's two, three hours a week uh, for four weeks that goes over the branding, the business, the social planning strategy, release schedules to kind of give everyone the answers to the test so they can go take the test in more of a DIY way. And we have, instead of the whole brand book that we do for what I call a full service clients, yeah. um, for the advising clients, it's branding worksheets that we go through with them that gives them the basis of all that so then they can go and continue to build out their brand. That's um, amazing. So we're really rolling that out uh, the first of the year, and we're excited about that, and then just trying to keep the train on the tracks, right? <laughs> Stephen, it has been a joy speaking to you. You're, I've learned so much talking to you, and... And That's kind of you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me on. It's been, it's, been, it's been great fun. It's been a long time coming. You've been on my list for months, but you didn't know it. Like half a year. 
Wow. <laughs> so so there's a half for... a year of other people <laughs> so, higher above me. No, okay, now no, I get it. No, now no. I get it. It just I'm I'm, I'm sloth like and getting around things sometimes. <laughs> so thank you so much well, for I'm glad you finally did. <laughs> and treating it, me to be this. Happy anytime. It was great fun. Um, and uh, we're gonna share we're gonna share some of your uh, social handles. Um, if 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 that's cool with you, so that people can follow you and see what you're doing at Amplify. Sure. Just okay. be aware that, you know, the old saying, the cobbler's children have no shoes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our social, do as we say, not as we not do. Not as we do. That's the, that's the plan. But we're, that's one of the, you say, what's up for us? That's one of the things we have our uh, a planning meeting tomorrow about how to, to actually walk the walk, uh, not just talk ourselves. So hopefully there'll be more content there for people. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much. It's been wonderful speaking to you, Stephen. Well, thank you. Stephen Lynn. Have a great holiday. You too. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Amy Lombardi, and you've been listening to TuneCore's Music Made Me podcast. I hope you enjoyed uh, our episode from today with Stephen Lynn of Amplify Entertainment, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. He is a wealth of wisdom um, on branding and artist development. So hope you enjoyed it, and um, check in with us next time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of TuneCore. Check out TuneCore.com to help you distribute your music, register your original songs worldwide, and more. Connect with us on all social channels at TuneCore. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. 